Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good evening, everyone. It's Monday, and you're locked into the Late Late Show with me, Shaniqua Edwards Hayes. Today, we're delving into a different topic that is postnatal mental health. What is it, and what are the signs? I'm so honoured and happy to be joined by Kaylin George, uh, visiting health visiting leads. Let's find out. Join the conversation by tweeting me at sehmiss. Don't forget the hashtag. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Yay, it is Monday and it's quite a hot Monday. I'm dying. I've got Kayla next to me. Are you dying as well? <laughs> it is so hot. Um, but I'm quite happy. A lot of educators are quite happy. We are nearing the end of the summer term. The summer holidays are coming. For some of you, you're already on your summer holidays. For other educators, as we learned with my last show, like the prison educators, unfortunately, you might not be coming up to your holidays. Uh, but we're with you. We're with you. And I hope that everyone's having a lovely week. I am feeling a bit sad. Quite happy. A bit sad, though. I am about to embark on a new adventure it's my last thank you thank you Taylor. <laughs> um it's my last uh, couple of days at the primary school that i work at i've worked there for the last couple of years and for anyone who knows me that was my primary school it was my dream to work there i got to work there but now i'm about to embark on a new adventure at a pupil referral unit uh so very excited but i'm also excited for the holidays i'm planning to just get away and enjoy i'm actually going to edinburgh and lisbon so if anyone has any recommendations please tweet me at seh miss um but if i bring us back to today and i've done a few different topics you know we had prison education we have had um ofsted and there's something that I just that's been really I've been thinking about and it's been postnatal mental health uh, because I feel like as educators it's something we don't discuss enough it's something you think about later on maybe you know if I was to get pregnant in the future I'd start to think about that or if I had a baby but actually it's things that we should be thinking about from now I really do feel like we work with loads of families we work with parents we work with children they are affected by postnatal mental health uh, I work with colleagues who are affected by it. And in the future, I could be affected by it. So I realise I can't do this on my own. I don't know enough about this. So I'm so happy to be joined by Kaylin George. Kaylin, can you introduce yourself, please? Hi, so my name's Kaylin, and I'm a health visiting lead um, over in North London. I'm very fortunate to live with Shaniqua. Um, and I'm currently a Miss GB finalist too. Um, so part of my role as a health visiting lead is uh, managing a team that work with families from um, birth, uh, antenatally up until the age of five. Um, and we deal with all types of things in terms of child development, but also working with the family units. So working with mums, working with dads, um, and you know, just supporting their mental health too. I love that. I love mm. that. Okay, so you're so skilled. <laughs> you do a lot of things. Jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> uh, and this is why I need you to say though, because postnatal, a lot of people do you would you say it links to teaching, education? Yeah, so um there are some facts in terms of like child development and how a mum or a dad, so a family's mental health can have impact on that. We have um what we call ACEs, so childhood mm-hmm. uh, adverse childhood experiences. Yes. And part of ACEs, one of the questions is, have you ever lived with a parent who lives with a mental health condition? Yeah. So it is widely recognised that living with mental health and having a child, it does impact that child in their future well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, 80% of a child's brain is developed by the time they're two. Um, so it's only 20% development from two onwards. Yeah. So everything in that early years has such a big impact on sort of brain development and how they grow. 
um, and their development by the time they're 22 months has an impact. Well, it goes to show the same scores uh, when you do their development check when they're 26. So it's your development mind, when yeah. you're 22 months old will sort of go to show roughly where your development and your sort of mental capacity will be when you're 26. That's crazy. So, yeah, that yeah. is crazy. And I think that's so important to already know. Where yeah. You've taught me something new already in the first couple of minutes. Uh, and that's leading me to think, though, today we're going to be using the term, I guess, postnatal mental health. Mm. What terms, you know, what does that mean? What does it actually mean? Because as well, when I usually talk, are we talking about postnatal depression? What is postnatal mental health? So I think postnatal depression is something that's more widely used than postnatal mental health. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, postnatal depression is the most common mm -hmm. um, and the baby blues. Um, but you have got postnatal anxiety, postnatal OCD, postnatal psychosis, which we call sort of purple psychosis. Yeah. Uh, and you've also got PTSD as well from any sort of birth trauma and things like that. Um, but in terms of uh, baby blues one in two women do experience baby blues in the first mm -hmm. sort of six to eight weeks so that's completely normal to feel a bit low and to have sort of low periods yeah postnatal depression is something where if you're having more down days and long days it lasts longer than that six to eight weeks that would, you'd expect to have baby blues um, okay. and you're feeling unable to cope unable to manage you're not bonding with your baby mm -hmm. so um there are different sort of mental health sort of conditions in the postpartum period but um postpartum mental health is when you have a mental health condition until the child's one years old and then okay. it just goes to sort of the depression the anxiety the ocd but okay. postnatal mental health is up until the age, the age of one of the child oh wow mm. okay so someone could be going through postnatal mental health postnatal depression up until like say like six months even still yeah or I, prolonged yeah. yeah so you can refer to a, a postnatal mental health sort of organization charity or service until the child's one because mm -hmm. that's what um sort of the term is sort of generalized to is till the the age of one. Oh, wow mm. wow and i really did want to know because i hear a lot of people mention baby blues and i was wondering the difference but i can see yeah. some timing as well yeah timings are quite a big so with baby blues it's like i think people don't realize that when you give birth you give birth twice so you give birth to your baby and mm -hmm. then you give birth to your placenta see they don't always teach you that <laughs> no so us <laughs> women have to go through a lot <laughs> um so you give birth to your baby and then as soon as you give birth to that placenta same thing happens as when you're in that sort of um, pre-menstrual -pre phase. Mm -hmm. So your estrogen stays in that really, really high level, yeah. whereas your progesterone just drops back to normal levels. So your mm -hmm. progesterone is back to normal levels, whereas your estrogen's like slowly creeping down for six to eight weeks. Yeah, okay, so where? Yeah, so that's why you feel like you have a bit of the baby blues, like you could burn a piece of toast and it's the end of the world, or you watch like a dog on TV and you're crying your eyes out. Like that's completely yeah. normal. Um, and one in two women do suffer with the baby blues. Yeah. Um, but that's just that really high estrogen, similar to how you feel before you come on to a period every yeah. month. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it takes a while to sort of level off then. So six to eight weeks. Ah, mm -hmm. and so I can imagine, we'll go in a bit more into detail about support, because I can imagine support is needed, mm. but there's a lot going on, and it just makes me think of children in my class. I know quite a few you know, children in my class who their mum has just had a baby and actually you know mum's tired and actually I realized there's signs that I need to look out for where mm. I was reading up and you know some mums don't even realize that they're going through postnatal mental mm. health they don't know who to talk to I've actually I was actually reading if you don't mind me yeah, just uh reading a little TES article I was looking at the other day and it was about a teacher um, or it was a trainee teacher. She had completed a PhD. She realized, oh, I want to be a teacher. She started her PGCE, which is what we do, mm -hmm. trained to be a teacher, but she fell pregnant along the way. Um, she had her baby and then she went straight back into teaching. Um, and she said that she ignored the early signs of uh, postnatal depression, mm -hmm. uh, but she got a job in a school. She was really happy, um, but she didn't really know how to tell the school what was going on when she did realize mm -hmm. She didn't get the support and just me reading what she said at the end because she didn't make it through the end with her school uh she said according to the nhs approximately 30 percent of new mothers experience pnd which is postnatal depression mm -hmm. and 50 percent of those do not seek medical help because they are unaware of the condition or they fear the consequences of reporting it i know my experiences are far from unique 
Many of us will find ourselves working in schools that think they are supportive of mental health issues, but are not. Until we are all educated or better educated about the effects of mental health and mental illness, things will not improve. And that's what really pushed me today. Where I was like, we need to be educated on these mm -hmm. things. And I feel like as a teacher, I might notice, I need to know the signs, you know, what are some of the signs? Yeah, so it's, I know you mentioned um, a few already. But... Yeah, so just touching back, it's sort of um, having days, more down days than good days. So, mm -hmm. and you're totally sort of consumed by those days. Having difficulty bonding with your baby and having that sort of attachment with your baby. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a lot of pressure for new mums, like you said, and especially people who are sort of in a profession where they have their identity, they know what they're doing day to day, then all of a sudden they have this new life that maybe they weren't expecting or they weren't prepared for yeah and they're taking sort of six months out of their job eight months out of their job something that gave them their identity and then that's out the window their routine is out the window because the baby wants to wake up at 10 to 3 in the morning right. um, yeah so all they knew before is completely gone and yeah now they have to get to know a new person they have to get to know a new routine mm -hmm. so that could be quite pressuring for parents and yeah especially when we're in an age now where social media is so big. Um, yes, yes. Everything looks like, oh, I'm the perfect parent. I'm like cleaning up as my baby sleeps. Like I don't yeah. need no sleep. Yeah, um, yeah. And you think that you have to aspire to this perfect life where you have to be this perfect parent. Um, and then sort of when you have those down days, then that can sort of spiral even worse because you think I'm a bad parent, like the mum guilt sits in. Yeah. I'm not doing the best for my baby. My baby's not doing this, not doing that. I'm not doing enough housework. Um, so things like that can get on top of them as well. So then yeah. they start to not look after themselves. Mm -hmm. They get really tired because they're trying to do everything in the day and not napping when the baby naps. Yes. Um, so if they're withdrawn from social situations, they're just generally feeling a bit down and a bit rubbish in themselves. Some yeah. of them then can go on to sort of fall into other mental health conditions like eating disorders and things like that. Um, again, coming back to sort of the PTSD. Yeah. Um, with birth, if you have a traumatic birth where you need stitches, forceps, those things are physical things. Yeah. They're things yeah. you can see and you can tell people, oh my God, I had 10 stitches. And you can visualize it and you're a bit like, oh my God, that sounds awful. I can imagine. Yeah. yeah Even whereas, just thinking it, it's like quite traumatic. If you've been through that and you're talking about, oh, stitches. Like, yeah, you can feel like, oh, yeah. that, that's not a pleasant experience. Yeah. Whereas if you've had a birth trauma, what's traumatic for you? And then you're talking about that afterwards and trying to open up how you feel. It's not a physical thing that you can be like, I went through this and this happened to me. Yeah. It's not something that people are quite as open about. Yeah. Um, so it's quite a difficult conversation for them to sort of touch upon. Um, but signs if you have a colleague is people being withdrawn, mm -hmm. withdrawn from social situations, looking generally unkempt, quite tired. Yeah. Sort of having more down days, not feeling themselves you can feel that they're generally quite low i think yeah sometimes people could put a mask on but you get that energy where they're quite low mm -hmm. um so those are things to look out for and i suppose as a community all we can do is sort of raise the profile of postnatal mental health yes and yeah. the statistics um mm -hmm. so women don't feel like they're on their own because one in two women get baby blues yeah that's so me or you that's, you know, that is like, that is and in a room for more women that's you know half the women um so you know, it's just raising the profile, raising the statistics, letting women know that they're not on their own and providing them with that support and that safe space where they're able to talk out about it and yeah. they feel comfortable enough to talk about it too. That's why I feel. Do you know what? You're giving me so much advice and I, I think it's really useful. <laughs> and for future. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm getting ready. I know. Well, you're my housemate. You can support me. You can support me. Well, hopefully we'll be living together. <laughs> Not gonna do. Yeah, kill and take the baby. <laughs> oh, I'm going for it. Please take it. Um, yeah, and, and I'm hoping that there's some school leaders who will be listening mm. to this because actually, you know, your members of staff could be going through this, and it's just important to look out for these signs. It's important for us to look out for these signs from, I say, mums, but parents in general, because I guess. Mm you know, anyone else in the household will be exposed to everything that's going on. Yeah, you know I mean? and dads as well, they can suffer yeah. with uh, sort of mental health. So it wouldn't be classed as postpartum or uh, postnatal mental health and depression. It would just be fall under the general category of mental health. But, mm -hmm. you know, if their wife has gone through or partner or has gone through birth trauma and they've seen that, 
that yeah. can develop and manifest in some sort of PTSD. Yeah. I can have anxiety and depression, same as a woman can. It just wouldn't be classified as a postnatal depression yeah. or postnatal OCD or PTSD. Um, but it does impact the family as a whole because, like I said, with the child development, if the child's not having that security mm. and the mum's unable to cope, then yeah. that can impact the whole child's development for the future years to come. Yeah. Um, same with the partners of re- relationships can get estranged. Yes. I can if imagine. they don't understand what postnatal depression or postnatal anxiety is, they're like, oh, this is not my partner. This is not the person that yeah. I, I, I got with, I married, I've been with for a while, because it completely changes you as a person. Course, yeah. Um, but I suppose, like, if you're a partner, if you're an older child and you you can see it, it's just doing the little practical things to help, you know, yeah. making sure, you know, dinner's ready or doing the little things that would be time consuming, take them away so mm-hmm. the pressure's off, like getting the washing done, making a cup of tea, like just being there as a support, um, offering to take her to mother and baby groups with her um, yeah. and just giving her sort of safe space being understanding not being judgmental yeah because it's never the the person's fault that they've gone through this no. they didn't decide oh you know what i'm gonna get some postnatal depression it's not something you decide yeah. to do not it's just all. sort of unfortunately what women some women go through yeah or one in two women go through yeah. um so it's not something that they decided and it's not their fault um, yeah so it's just giving them that safe space that support researching it yourself so you know where to sort of signpost them and refer them to um, and you know how to open up those conversations then that's that is a good point and actually I might do some research into uh some little support groups myself just in case because especially in the area it'd be good to like signpost parents if any if ever anything um and just thinking of PTSD when I was researching I I have this, it's very naive of me, I have this thing when I think of PTSD and I usually think of war, but PTSD is so much more than that. And Mm. then when we think of, you know, postnatal mental health, PTSD can, I guess it can affect you if you've had a really traumatic Mm. um, labour. And actually, you know, having a baby is a blessing, you know, not everyone is able to have a baby or to get to that stage where the baby Mm. gets there, where actually, you know, I know a few people who worry because they've had such a traumatic labor or pregnancy, they worry, will the baby survive? You know, will it die? So they keep, you know, they, it, it's just kind of stressful yeah. for them. And you get postnatal anxiety as well, where That's parents it. can get quite sort of um, have health anxiety over the baby. Mm-hmm. So it's just constantly sort of like, oh, check the temperature or they've got a cold from the GP. So yes. that's another sign of like postnatal anxiety or postnatal mental health is that they're continually seeking sort of medical advice when really there's no reason to. It's just a cough or a cold or yeah. just a little temperature. But they've got that sort of health anxiety because of their mental health postpartum. Yeah. And coming back to the PTSD, um, because trauma is different to everyone. So what mm-hmm. could be traumatic for you may not be traumatic for me and vice versa. Yeah. And a traumatic birth, um, people downplay birth. And they're like, oh, something everybody does. It's so natural. Yeah. But, you know, it's, yeah. an, it's like a major surgery if you've had C-section or it's a major surgery when you give birth. And women die giving birth still to That's this it. day. That is it, um, exactly. And if you've been through that trauma... Um, and you haven't had a safe space to come to terms with that or debrief or understand the feelings you're feeling, then that can manifest and turn into something more. It can turn into a personal depression. It can turn into sort of the anxiety. And they can all interlink and overlap and change as well. You can have periods of OCD and anxiety and depression. Um, but if you don't have that debrief and get to know your feelings and have a safe space to talk at the beginning, mm-hmm. it can sort of spiral into something a bit worse then. So, so that's good actually mm. talking to someone and having yeah and actually even just before if I tell you all you know Kaylin it's great living with Kaylin because Kaylin has updated me <laughs> on you know pregnancy and labor and what's this all like and and labor I said that again <laughs> because she's really taught me and actually it is truly a blessing to have a baby yeah. and guys she taught me about prolapse <laughs> I'm just gonna tell you yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have it I'm full of knowledge now and actually but it's made me realize it haunts you. But it, it, <laughs> yeah it does that's what I'm gonna say it just yeah. still haunts me I was telling my family about it actually the other day and my, like oh my god my auntie was like oh I hope I'm just gonna 
continue with our pelvic floor exercises. Yeah. So don't forget the pelvic floors. <laughs> yes, <I> mean, <laughs> they're very important. Don't forget, guys. <laughs> um, but these are really important things. Yeah. Um, but it's so important for us to talk though and find out mm. these things. Because once upon a time, I was like, yeah, I'll have a baby. I'm just going to grow up. I'm going to have a baby. It's just mm. going to be as easy as that. But I realize yeah. there's so much more to it. And without talking to people, I'd think just an easy ride. And if something did happen to me, I'd feel really bad. Like, and you feel like it, on your own yeah, as well. You yeah. feel like it's why is it just happening to me? Yes. You picture this perfect pregnancy, this perfect delivery, and birth plans. You have this perfect birth plan, whereas a birth plan never goes to plan mm-hmm. because something happens. You could give birth in the car on the way to the hospital. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But again, like you said, because it's a natural thing, same with breastfeeding, same yeah. with anything to do with pregnancy, you are so caught up in the pregnancy and this is what you do and you eat healthy and you do this and you do that to have a perfect pregnancy if you've got morning sickness you go to the gp but no one prepares you for the sleep deprivation Mm -hmm. the prolapses yeah (laughs) google the prolapses yeah the difficult births the um the feeding issues because that can sort of feed into sort of any mental health issues as well if you want to be breastfeeding your child but you can't because oh. the latch is bad you don't have milk supply and things yeah. like that so that has an impact um so people don't prepare you for what comes after the pregnancy or what happens during delivery yeah they sort of prepare you for what pregnancy is going to be like and your gender reveal party and yeah and then, but it's the instagram soon, world where in, as you soon know. as you get discharged from hospital and see you and the baby you're like what am i doing mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and people don't prepare you for that and i think no. that's why mental health is so pronounced and profound in sort of the early years because people don't expect the sleep yeah. deprivation they don't expect that sort of oh my god what am i doing and they think i'm on my own i'm the only one feeling like this because everyone else is in like a happy little bubble where they're like oh my god I love my baby I love yeah. life and yeah whereas it's not always like that and no. then if you don't feel that you feel on your own yeah definitely you know? on your own isolated and I guess yeah. in this perfect like I said this perfect Instagram world you you don't want to share that you're going through yeah. troubles you know you know I look on Insta and I see someone a celebrity's had a baby and you know they're thin as, they're straight back to exercising. Yeah, their hair's you know. like perfect. And then you're sat yeah. there with like a messy bun. Yeah. Your baby like crying because yeah. you can't latch onto your breast. And you're like, oh my God. That's it. Yeah. But it's so natural. And I think just having these conversations. And what I would say is that, you know, any parents who are listening out there who, you know, have children who are going to school also whilst are uh, currently, you know, they've got a baby, you know, we're here as educators. We are here for you as well we're here to help advise you we're here to support um and yeah we're here and we want to help each other out we need to help each other out and it's knowing where to sort of refer as well and signpost those Mm -hmm. are the biggest things um because when that person's ready to engage with support services you've got to know what's out there for otherwise they'd be there like well I'm ready to receive the support and I want this but where am I going to go for it yeah so you have got um sort of the health visiting team yeah um and they're there not for just baby because I think they come and weigh the baby so much and do the baby's development that parents forget that the health visiting team are there for the whole family unit not just the babies Mm. and they don't feel able to open up enough or they feel scared to open up because they're like oh my god they're going to tell social services my baby's going to be taken away yes I'm the only one who's got mental health but you know as a health visiting team that's what we're there for we've got listening visits mm-hmm. um what's that Sorry. so we've got like a set of six we, uh, six listening visits we do weekly listen visits mm-hmm. and they range to an hour two hours whatever the need of the woman is yeah um, and we do them and we go and walk in visits they come to clinic we go to the house wherever they feel most comfortable and we do motivational interviewing we just listen and it's a time for them to have verbal diarrhea and just be like this is how I feel. It's shit. You just sit there as a listening mm-hmm. you. And can they be um, as honest as they like with this honest, about yeah. how they're actually feeling? Yeah, yeah, we encourage them to be honest because how else are we going to support them? If we don't know how they're feeling, how do we know what support's appropriate for them? Yeah. Um, and then in the meantime, while they go through the listening visits, we have like a tool we use called the EPDS, which is the Edinburgh Postnatal Depression Scale. Mm-hmm. So it's a set of like questions, um, I think it's about 10 questions where we just chat to mum and say, right, be as honest as you can on a scale of one to four. How are you feeling about that? And we go through sets of questions. Okay. So yeah. that then helps us make referrals to the right place. So we can refer to the perinatal mental health team, okay. which see women referred into the service for children under the age of one. 
So okay. they'll stay with the woman then until the baby's one, until they're ready for discharge. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got iCOP, which is like an online service where they do text and phone call support. Okay. And that's completely confidential. You've got as part of the perinatal um, sort of charities, you've got Pandas. Okay. So Pandas is a social support group. So mm-hmm. it's run by women for women. Okay. Postnatal mental health. Oh, that's good. They go for coffees, they go for walking clubs, and oh. it's just a time to get with people who are feeling the same mm-hmm. and just talk and be like, I'm having a really crap day. And then hand somebody reflect that back to you. Yeah. Because I think sometimes people who are going through postnatal mental health feel a bit sort of stigmatized to go into play groups because they think, oh, it's going to be full of mums who are sort of just breastfeeding easily or bottle feeding easily yeah. and the kids are all running around. Um, so they feel a bit sort of pressurized to go yeah. there because they're like, they're not going to understand how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with pandas, because it's a group run by women with who are, have been through or ha- are going through perinatal or postnatal mental health. Yeah then they feel more open to talk about it and say, I'm having a rubbish day. Yeah. Because they know that the person they're telling has had a rubbish day yeah. or has been through rubbish days. Yeah. They actually understand them. They understand it. So yeah. they've got pandas and pandas are great. They've been running for years and years. You've got Homestart, which are a befriending service. Mm-hmm. And they're across the whole of UK. So you're matched to a volunteer. It's a voluntary service. Yeah. And then they just come to the house and just have an hour with you and do what you want they take you swimming they go for a walk but it's for women who feel isolated who have got sort of mental health conditions or feeling a bit overwhelmed and you've got them so there's lots and lots of support there mm-hmm. and you know the perinatal mental health team have psychologists and everything attached onto them but it's having that initial conversation and having the courage to say i'm struggling yeah to then be able to access the support yeah. and that's the hardest part is the biggest step for women is saying i'm struggling yeah but that, yeah. I, I can imagine, I can imagine, even when I'm going through something, that is the biggest step. Mm. And I just think just a- added pressure when you have a child, or, yeah. you know, and you're like, oh, I need to make that step and knowing who to, mm. you know, talk to. So actually you just naming all those, great. And I'll make sure to add that to our Teachers Talk Radio Twitter uh, to sign all those signposts and places you've just given us yeah. to go to, because yeah. uh, it's important to reach out. Now, can yeah. I ask? postnatal checks do you know about a postnatal check <laughs> yeah so they mostly go to the midwifery team ah, okay that so we see them um so a birth visit for a health visitor is day between day 10 to 14 mm-hmm. so we go out check the baby check mom and they're always like do you want to see my stitches i'm like really no it's fine <laughs> you can keep your clothes on <laughs> i don't want to see that um and then they go and have postnatal check with their midwife yeah and then at week eight they go to the gp for a postnatal check with mm-hmm the baby so the baby gets a head to assessment but mum gets an assessment too okay and it's a time to talk about sort of contraception and things like that as well mm-hmm. and I think contraception is one that does sort of impact post mental health as well because if yes. you think your hormones are all over the place and everywhere yeah it could take sometimes a small pill that's got too much estrogen or too much progesterone to sort of make you feel as if you want to just cry the day away. Of course, actually. So um, it's about sort of getting the contraception that's right for you as well. Yes. Ultimately. Yeah. Um, so if you do have high estrogen, maybe going to progesterone only pill and things like that. So having that conversation with your GP and being open and honest at your eight week checks in, look, I'm thinking about going back onto contraception, but what are my options? Yeah. That's mm. really, and actually you made me, that's a good point you're making about contraception and, mm. you know, can I just ask, do you know how, you know, after you've had a child, or, you know, how long before you can start using contraception and all of this? Straight away. Straight yeah. away. Straight there away. we go. You heard it here. So, Straight away. <laughs> when um, we do the initial birth visit, that's when we start, start to talk about sort of contraception. Okay. And asking the women because you're your most fertile mm-hmm. in the first six months. So See? it's so, so easy. And then there's yeah. so many myths of like, if you're breastfeeding, it's a contraception. Yeah, because that's an old wives tale because back in the day if you did get like a certain amount of breastfeeds in per day yeah a certain amount of length of breastfeed so like 20 30 minutes mm-hmm. you did nine and you did it every two hours then it could potentially stop you getting pregnant but ah but, but there's a but but <laughs> you can easily get pregnant within the first six months so it's not it, some people use it as a contraception but it shouldn't be used as a yeah. contraception yeah so we do encourage to have that chat with the gp yeah. early on 
Um, so people wait until uh, eight weeks. Some people go straight to the GP as soon as they register the baby mm-hmm. and just have some contraception then. But okay. uh, the first six months, you're at your most fertile. Mm-hmm. And I think when you're sleep deprived, with a yeah. four-month-old baby, and then you find out you're pregnant again. Yeah, I can imagine just <laughs> it's a lot. It's, it's a, a lot. lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. Uh, sure, you know, it's just really interesting because obviously I've got you know some children in a class, and then the year, the next year, there's also another child. So it's just yeah, important. Yeah, they didn't go you know, for their contraception. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> didn't listen so, to their health <laughs> So this is why you know I'm just making sure everyone's aware. We've got all of this, mm. and as I look at the time, I can see it is time for us to take a short break as we listen to our sponsors and what they've got to say and we listen to a bit of tech advice so we'll see you after the break this episode of teachers talk radio has been made possible with support from witherslack group the uk's leading provider of sen education and care They're here to support you, too, through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles, and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.withaslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development, every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. If you have a passion for education and a talent for teaching and learning, the Witherslack Group want to hear from you. Join them as they open an incredible new school in Essex and be a founding teacher of English, Maths, Science or Primary with multiple leadership opportunities available too. As Teachers Talk Radio partners, we know how much they care about the well-being of staff and their offer to you will be superb. To find out more and apply for a role, visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. Young members of the Margate-based Lived Experience crew joined with students from nine schools across the country travelling to London to raise the alarm over the UK's plastic waste problem. The trip to Parliament came after pupils took part in the Big Plastic Count, a citizen science project launched by Greenpeace UK, a non-profit organisation, Everyday Plastic. The count involved some 100,000 households, schools, community groups and businesses across the UK, counting their plastic packaging waste, recording the different types they throw away, and entering their results into the campaign website. The campaign aims to convince the government to take more action to cut plastic production, ban plastic waste exports, and transition to refill and reuse alternatives which are affordable, accessible, and appropriate for all. Union leaders have warned newly appointed cabinet ministers that many teachers and nurses will quit their profession in the coming weeks if public sector pay deals are further delayed by chaos at the top of government. Patrick Roach, General Secretary of the NAS UWT, has written to the new Education Secretary, James Cleverly, asking for publication of the review body recommendations for teachers. Roach said it was essential that agreement was reached as soon as possible, so that teachers did not leave the profession 
before the beginning of the new school year. What is important is that the process is not kicked into the long grass. We must ensure that full consultation takes place and that teachers get what they deserve. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, over the next few episodes I'm going to discuss connections, so let's get wired or not, as the case may be. The plan was to do this in order of most essential, however a chicken and egg question came first. What is the most essential connection, the internet or your display device? Without the internet, there'd be far less interaction, however, how does this compare to the ability to display your screen to the class? I asked you on Twitter and at Elizabeth J. Rowan was the first to answer the with I'll hasten to add the most popular choice, the internet. There's 1001 ways to present or display information. I couldn't agree more. And talking of more, at more to learn, question my question, asking, why do I have to choose? Showing the expectation we teachers have for both. However, when asked to choose, the answer was the internet and give me a whiteboard pen. So let's talk about the internet and the difference it makes to teaching. We have a connection to the biggest network of networks at our fingertips, indexed by powerful search engines that return results in seconds, even ranking them in an order of likelihood of them containing the answer we are looking for. Obviously, we need to swerve adverts and fake news from time to time, but what a resource we have. For those of us willing to admit they were around, 20 years ago, teachers were still transitioning from chalkboards. Every teacher was in the process of getting a laptop, the projector was on a trolley you wheeled into the classroom, and social media didn't exist. You couldn't just take a virtual tour inside a volcano or go on an interactive 3D journey through the digestive system, have a guided tour around the highly secure Google storage facility, drop a jelly baby on a map, walk around the coast of Spain, Italy or Australia. The internet has brought us all of this and harnessing, filtering and presenting its power to our pupils has become an art that we have had to master. So here are a couple of tricks you can use to keep yourself organised. Control plus D bookmarks a page. But did you know that if you make a folder of bookmarks you can right click and open all? All of your bookmarks in that folder open as new tabs. This is great if moving from one lesson to another on a different topic. If you use a lot of YouTube clips and websites, Wakeless is a great way to organise collections of links and clips. It's free to make an account and you can share collections via links with pupils. I'd like to finish with a question. Do you know the difference between the internet and the World Wide Web? Tune in next week to find out. Why not get in touch at TT Radio 2022? Follow us and tell us what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. And welcome back, everybody. Can I just say thanks, Steve, for that? Uh, I definitely will have to be tuning in next week to find out the difference between the internet and the World Wide Web. We are back here. You're back with me, Shaniqua Edwards-Hade. It's the Monday Late Late Show. We're discussing postnatal mental health, and I'm joined by... Health Visiting Lead, Kaylin George. Hello. Hi. <laughs> now, Kaylin George, also, if I look on the little promo that I put out, mm-hmm. it doesn't just say Health Visiting Lead. No, no, oh, no. 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 <laughs> it says, if I'm correct, Miss Great Britain finalist. It does indeed. Hey, go. You're going to have to update <laughs> us a bit. Um, so I got into pageantry in 2018. Um mm. And so if I began like in pageantry for the glitz, the glam, I wanted to dress up, mm-hmm. and, but then I fell in love with pageantry because of what it means. So yeah. what I do for it and what platform it gives me to spread the word and educate people on the topics that I feel really important. Yes. Um, so with my GB title, um, that's what I'm aiming to do is raise the awareness of these public health issues in schools, because I think the earlier on you give this education, mm-hmm. sort of the better outcomes there'll be. So yes. It's like preventative care. So things like postnatal mental health, early signs of cancer, breastfeeding, um, getting your smears done, why you have your HPV vaccine. So yeah. getting all these messages in really early, domestic violence, um, and then long term, sort of we will we will benefit as a health system then. Yeah. Um, because the children be more resilient and empowered within their own healthcare. No, and I, I've, I've mentioned this to you so many times, but I think that is so important. Mm. And, you know, I like to have discussions with my class. And even for those of you who don't know, uh, my mum passed away quite young when she was 
34 uh, from ovarian cancer, which is mm. quite rare for someone so young. Uh, and for me, I started to get educated on these things from then. Mm. Um, but actually, I realized it's just so important. I feel like people know the signs. If they know these things, they can mm. go to a GP. They can, you know, demand this is what I think is going on. Yeah. Obviously, the GP will know. But it's really important to be aware. So mm. you're doing a great thing. And, nice, you know. Yeah. And it's similar with, like you said, breast cancer. Like, you don't leave school knowing how to check your breasts. No. Or doing, like, a proper examination. No. It's not until it impacts you sort of in your personal life yeah. you start to understand it and same with cervical smears mm-hmm. you're just like oh I don't want to go I really the anxiety yeah. of going but until it impacts you personally or you know the value of going yeah you, you don't go that is it so it's providing that early education so we can get people screening we can get people to understand their body so that they're able to sort of take control and act early if these things come about, uh, come about. Oh, I think that, mm. like I said it's just so important because even if we talk about is it the HPV yeah. uh, one that's going, and that started happening in schools, yeah. I remember. Uh, but I remember some people were on edge because they were like, oh, should these children well, be I going didn't through even this? I know what it was. Yeah. So, like, I was like, everybody else is going, I'll have my three jabs. Yeah, yeah. there I we go. Don't have to do school that afternoon because <laughs> yeah. I say my arm hurts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I was the same, actually. I was the same. But, like, if you know the value of it and you know why you're having it, yeah. it's different. And that's informed consent. Yes. So, yeah. I feel like. I had it done because it was trendy. My friends were having it done. We were the first year to have HPV vaccines. Oh, and then I didn't have to do my sport after it. Oh, look at that. <laughs> look at that. Don't we? Whereas if you're educated early on and you know why you're doing it and you're informing these children to give their consent. Yeah. Then yeah. that's different then. No. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Mm. And actually, you're making me think then it's important to have informed consent. It's important to know what is going on myths there are a lot of myths around if i take it back to yeah. postnatal in general yeah. postnatal mental health there are a lot of myths mm. so even just earlier when you mentioned you know breastfeeding and contraception yeah there's just within pregnancy i had so many different myths yeah women that women's bodies are complex <laughs> yes so, yeah um, but they're great yeah um, amazing so i've got top 10 myths that i did write down before we started mm-hmm. so the first one is that pregnant women are deliriously happy and never get depressed oh so this is because when we look at magazines when we yeah. go through social media when we see them on tv everyone's so happy yeah so besotted and it's everything they've ever wanted whereas if you're feeling a bit low and feeling a bit rubbish and you've got uh, postnatal mental health issues, mm-hmm. then you're not feeling that. And then you feel like a bad mum. You feel like you've got like mum guilt. You feel yeah. like you're not doing the best. And why aren't I feeling this way? Yeah. So then it sort of spirals then from there. So that's a myth. That, yeah, <laughs> yep. Myth. That is a myth. Um, said it. And myth two is that uh, it's just the baby blues and I'm fine. Yeah. So like I said, baby blues last about uh, six to eight weeks. And it's because of that surge in estrogen after birth and that drop in progesterone. Yeah. Um, And it's when you sort of have a little cry. They say day four is the worst. They say they just cry all day for. Yeah. Um, but it's when you're having more down days and good days, but you're still able to get and do like daily tasks. You're still able yeah. to have that bonded connection with your baby. You're still able to be sort of you. Whereas baby blues and postnatal mental health are something di- completely different. See? And everyone, well, one in two women do have baby blues. It's not sort of something you're doing on your own. Yeah, yeah. So, myth. And can I say that's a big myth though? That's one I I hear a lot though as well. So like people always like, oh, why am I feeling like this? But everybody else is like having such a great time being a parent. Yeah. Statistically, they're probably not. Yeah. Yeah. It's just what you see. It's what what you see see on media. Yeah. Um, Myth three: If I'm diagnosed with a mental health issue, my baby will be taken away from me. Which is a myth because to be open and honest and identify that you're struggling with your mental health is a good thing. Yeah, and it's sort of it's a positive protective factor that you're going and seeking support. Yeah. So we see it as a positive if a mum comes and says, "Look, I'm struggling," Mm -hmm. because then we can put the support systems in place and sort of empower her to take control of it and you know get on with sort of being a parent and help her have the support that she needs. Yeah. So coming forward and talking is sort of a really courageous thing that we would commend people to do. Not not think that oh we're going to take your baby away, we're going to report your social services, which what a lot of people think. So that's why I hear a lot though. You know, you know as well. In the past, I've heard from children, you know, I can't say anything because, you know, I'll get taken by social services. Yeah. And, you know, it's clearly, you know, parents feel that way. Mm. So here you are listening. 
people there to help it's there mm-hmm. to help and speaking out is when you're going to get the support isn't it mm-hmm. so that's really important myth five is that mental health problems only affect certain people and mental health is not a like doesn't serve only this type of person only that type of person only women under the age of 25 only so it doesn't discriminate it affects everyone and it can affect anyone throughout their life course yeah um so it's not just certain types of people who suffer with mental health you don't have to have had a mental health issue a mental health problem or experienced mental health previously to Mm -hmm. have postnatal mental health um so it doesn't discriminate and everyone yeah. can have it so it's not just you and you're not on your own so that's another myth that's it yeah As, five. So, you know they sing you are not alone all of that <laughs> you've great <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> um and then myth six is that i'll be forced to take medication so yeah. we try and put enough support systems and um things in place so that women feel like they don't have to take medication. Of course, medication is there as a great thing to sort of bring your head over the water and just yeah. breathe and then be able to access the support that you need Yeah. so that you are at that capacity where you can take on all this information and engage. But, um, you know, you've got walk-in therapy, you've got talking therapy, you've got CBT, you've got um, just uh, talking to a psychologist, you've got the health visiting team, you've got so many things that you can do, mm-hmm. managing your wellbeing, journaling, going swimming doing activities you've got so many things you can do before you even look at medication Medication. yeah uh sometimes you do need it and that's fine and you need it to sort of bring your head over the water and just breathe yeah um and that's totally fine too but it's that you don't need medication sometimes you do need medication it's not sort of discriminating whether you do or don't yes yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and being non-judgmental and open and you know giving these women safe spaces to speak that's it so myth thank you thank you (laughs) Wow, you're hitting me with these myths. Okay, <laughs> can you give us one more oh, myth? I'm going to hit you yes. up with myth number seven. <laughs> so I'm the only one who feels that way. So again, and only mums suffer from mental health issues like postnatal depression. So that is also a myth because, like I said, dads also suffer with mental health conditions. Yeah. But it just doesn't come under sort of the maternal mental health. Yeah. Um, and their mental health could be a loss of identity, mm-hmm. a loss of role in relationship, because, you know, the mum now is a, is a caregiver to this child, whereas it's just been them two as a couple. Yeah. So it's a change in it role, changes, a change yeah. in dynamic, PTSD for any birth traumas. So yeah. it's not just the mum as well, so we have to include the dads. Wow. Mm. Helen, I've learned so, so eight. much. So, so much. <laughs> hit me. Go on. Go on. Hit me. Hit me. Hit me one more. Go on. Um, so there's nothing I can do to help a parent I know experience any mental health issues. So mm. this is a big myth because there are lots of things you can do. So just go in and speak into them, spending casual time with them, just having an open conversation, educating yourself on postnatal mental health yeah. to be able to signpost and direct them to sort of the areas they're meant to be in or where they can get support. And just being a supportive person, like I said, making a cup of tea yeah. and telling them it's okay to cry. Like it's rubbish sometimes. Yeah. Um, and just giving them sort of that that safety and that sort of comfort as well. That's that's a myth. That is that is so important. That is Mm. that is another important thing, you know. And actually when someone genuinely does that though, Mm. is you know, where I'm like, they care about me. They're trying to support me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I might not offer to make tea because I'm awful at making tea, just let everyone know. <laughs> but I will offer everything else because I yeah. think it's great. And I mean, green tea, you can't go wrong. Spit uh, water. Can I practice with you? Can I practice first? <laughs> Maybe. I, I don't trust you now. <laughs> can I, have you, you ever seen yourself. me make tea? <laughs> no, I have. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I have. You burnt your hands. Oh, my God. I did burn my hands. <laughs> it was just before my last show, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's not great. I hope our landlords are not listening. Helen, <laughs> um, it's been so great to have you yeah. on. Helen, can I ask if anyone wanted to like find out a bit more, ask you any questions, how can they mm-hmm. get in contact? With so you? I'm not on Twitter, but I am on Instagram. And my Instagram my handle is at C E L Y N dot S A R A. So at Kaylin Sarah. Oh, lovely. Mm. Kaylin, sounds like you got a bit of an accent. Oh, oh, oh. oh she's Welsh. <laughs> I was waiting for her to say it. Um, and oh, obviously, as always, you can tweet me at S-E-H Miss. Uh, you can tweet us at TT Radio 2022. If you have anything, please do. If you're listening back on Spotify, Amazon Music, um, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, wherever you're listening back on, please do um, tweet us and use the hashtag um, TT 
radio. Uh, it'd be great to hear from you. Now, for those of you who join us every other week, you will know what time it is. It is that time where we find out my guest's favourite fictional teacher. Now, for those of you who listen regularly, you know there's a teacher that's banned. Today is the day I, un- you know, I unban that teacher. That was Miss Honey. She was banned yeah, for a bit. I've changed but- my mind. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you guilted me into this. Oh, oh I was okay. Like, I love Miss Honey. You're like, oh, boring. <laughs> oh, no, okay. everyone knows why. It's just because, well, we've had a few things where people said Miss Honey's too nice. Yeah. And she's sick yeah. Even yeah. my class, my class said they could get away with you know bad things with miss honey yeah not with miss trunchbull but also miss honey adopted well did she adopt it was quite dodgy how she managed yeah, to get matilda it was, it was like a <laughs> quick <Child> thing. Catcher. <laughs> yeah it was so yeah. quick um so can i ask who is your favorite fictional teacher mine is dewey finn from school of rock oh tell us a bit about dewey finn and why you jack might have chosen black. him okay jack how black is that to have a teacher who like Puts you in a little music group, takes you mm-hmm. on tour, sort of breaks out of school with you in the van. It's <laughs> true. So great. It's true. It's true. They have a great time. Yeah, they have a great time. Yeah. Have you seen it in theatre? No, have it's you? Great. Yeah. Oh, I need to Google. get up to date with it. Can we go? Is it alright? I don't think. Okay, we're going to discuss this later. Um, okay, I think that's a good one. That yeah, is a good one. That was, and that's different. We've not had that yet. No. I thought you was going to say something Harry Potter related. So no, that's was, quite a Snape common. Snape was up there. I, I was uh, debating Snape. That. See, that's quite a common one. Yeah. I'm just trying to think who... So I always say Professor been? McGonagall. Okay. But actually, I feel like I always say that. So I slightly changed to... Have you ever read Holes or watched the film yes. Holes? So me and my oh, class okay. have been reading it this week. Uh, we just finished it. And so I'm going to be a bit, you know, different. And I'm going to say my favourite fictional teacher for this week is Stanley Yelnats. And I'm going to yeah, say different. he's a teacher because mm. he taught Zero how to read. Okay. And that was a big thing. See, guys, I'm being different out here. <laughs> different. Off the and, <laughs> and he taught That's him how to read. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I'm just trying. I'm, I think I'm struggling with teachers now, guys. Please, hit <laughs> me up with more teachers. Um, and I just thought that was great. And actually, sometimes we forget about the kids in our class who are mm. great teachers as well. There's so many kids in my class who are, I would say, great leaders, great teachers. And, you know, just like our dear old Stanley. Just like dear old Stanley. Oh, time is going by. Mm. And actually, I feel like we probably need to eat or something. But yeah, it's been... <laughs> yeah. And it's so hot. It is so hot. But we've made it through. We've made it through. And sure. I really hope that this show has been informative. I've learned a lot. Um, like we said, you can always contact Kaylin. Uh, at Kaylin. So C-E-L-Y-N dot S-A-R-A. And me at S-E-H Miss. It has been great to have you all and I look forward to seeing you in a fortnight where I'll be joined by Darren Isga and we'll be discussing diabetes because actually I've got I've got a few uh, Kayla's telling me I'm sorry I have got a few children in my class who've got diabetes and actually I think it's really important we understand how children are affected in the classroom but also I know quite a few diabetic teachers and members of staff and I think it's really important we understand that so I'll see you in a fortnight bye, bye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.